now recording. Holy shit. Holy fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what was that? What? Is that, does that normally not happen? No, that never happens. <laughs> that what? Dude, Yo, my audio was... is peaking so bad because I just, I literally just freaked. That Yo, voice. That... <laughs> that, yikes. Craig, you didn't have to do that, man. You know? you know, Craig, just when I was starting to like you, you have to do that to me? Like, this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't be friends, man. What's funny is we didn't expect the podcast to kind of become what it became. And then the second episode was kind of just like, all right, well, the first one was people seemed to like it. So we made the second one with the first guest and people really liked that episode. So we will try to meet that supply and have that supply and demand thing happen. So here we are back at it again. Hello, everyone. Stealthabot here. Hello, everyone. Project 422 Films here. <laughs> with another episode of the podcast. And what's special about this one, too, is this is one that you guys will actually want to listen to because it's not just the two of us. Finally! We actually have someone here, and it's not Craig this time. <laughs> well, Craig is here, but uh, we have somebody else here who's a really good friend of ours. Another one of the uh, first people that was kind of part of the old YouTube live streams from back in the day. A really great creator in his own right, even though he's not quite into the stop motion shtick just yet. But hopefully he will be soon enough. No pressure or anything, though. He's fantastic nonetheless, and he's created a lot of really cool stuff. So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, testing, testing, one, two, three. I am Forgotten Tactic, a.k.a. Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for having me on here. Uh, I really love what you guys have going so far, especially uh, since episode one. I really dug the energy, the vibe y'all gave off. And this whole thing was guests. Sounds great. I'm glad to be here. You didn't have to humble us like that. Like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Batman, a.k.a. What Bruce Wayne. This? I was like, what? <laughs> no. You know, for a guy named Bruce... You sent me a package with a lot of Charlie stuff in it. Right. Oh, Like yeah. a Charlie Cox, the Medsco online exclusive one, the Vigilante one that I actually really wanted that I never thought I'd own, and something I never thought I would want, the autographed comic from Charles Soule. So a double Charles Charlie thing. But yeah, uh, we are Stamo Shamers in our own right. I'm also a voice actor, writer, a bunch of other things, as is Daniel. We're content creators and performers with our own social media, as well as a collaborative YouTube channel, Project Stealthabot, and now this Animators Assembled channel and server and podcast. So feel free to watch or listen to the other episodes of the podcast to get to know us better and check out our socials if you want to get to know us better. But let's get started with the episode. So the topic at hand... We're basically discussing the concept stage, the planning and writing stage of things. So we talked with our previous guest, WarTV14, about finding motivation and overcoming burnout, which is something that's very frequent in the process of creating any sort of media. You have an idea or you have, a, you have the compulsion, the need to want to make something, but you're looking for the idea. And you come to a point where you need to, once you get over that part, the next step in that process is to actually isolate the idea and develop it, expand upon it to make it something more. So the first question to kind of offset all of this, and this is something that we're probably going to ask every single guest. If you're looking for an idea or inspiration, where are the places that you get those from? Such as like, you know, existing media like film, shows, games, music, or more personal individual points such as like your own life talking to other people, messing with figures in your collection, or just conceiving ideas based on stories that you may have already written. Where where do you typically get the ideas that you develop in your writing from? I mean, personally, when it comes to looking for inspiration, what I like doing best, essentially looking at my favorite moments from different sources of media, be it cartoon or movie or comic, and essentially try to bring it to life. And especially my favorite part about that is writing. If I don't come up with a picture first and then give it a caption, 
What I tend to normally like to do is to write a caption and then give it a picture because I know that sometimes when it comes to searching for inspiration, it's either going to be one of those two things. And sometimes what I like to do also is challenge myself and how I come across doing that is I look at two things that essentially would normally not go together and ask myself, how would these go together logically speaking? Another good example would be, as you mentioned before, just messing with figures. One day, I actually just took all my Spider-Man related figures. I started playing with them in a sense, just posing them around and, you know, going kid style, you know, just having them punch each other, pew pew, yada yada yada. And I actually mentally came up with a script for a concept, such as my own version of Spider-Verse, that I uh, dubbed Spider-Curse. So, I mean, I find like there's multiple ways that one could personally find inspiration. You just have to push yourself out there and look for it. Right on. Uh, How about you, Daniel? When you come up up with an idea, where do you usually get the inspiration for that from? Like, do you look at films, TV, games, or do you mess with your figures or just from your life? Well, I watch a lot of movies, so the inspiration mainly comes from the directors I love, the writers I love, the cinematographers and filmmakers. Sometimes I'll read a book about filmmaking or watch a video essay. That'll get me back into the mindset of creativity, reading articles and and books on how movies, certain movies were made. If a TV show is really good and a series has got me hooked on the premise, I'll binge watch that for days. Rarely ever video games, because I feel like if a video game hooks me enough to the extent where I want to pursue it for hours on end, only then will I take bits and pieces of it and incorporate it into my actual work. Looking at action figures sometimes, because if a figure is really well put together and you don't even have to mess with it, if it just looks absolutely stunning, you'll, you'll, something will snap inside of you and say that, hey, I gotta work with that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, obviously you got your Dark Knight trilogy, which Under the Dark is heavily influenced by, but you also have comic books and real life, which a lot of the characters in Under the Dark are extensions of. My personality, a lot of my struggles, and a lot of my inner demons are reflected in the episodes. Also, seeing other people create what they want to make encourages me to make my own stuff that I eventually want to turn into something at all. So, if I see behind-the-scenes content or directors posting on their social media about how they pulled this off or uh, a story about something from behind the camera, that usually shifts me back into gear and makes me want to you know, get started on my own projects. Good answer. Oh, thanks, buddy. For me, I, I like the stuff that when I wrote out this outline, and yes, we're kind of actually attempting to follow Which the outline. Super a stressful bit for the record. <laughs> it's not that stressful. Come on, boy. You know. just don't like. You don't like following. You're just a bad kid. <laughs> Put you in the timeout corner. Um, but for me, when it comes to inspiration and ideas and where I find them, you know, some of the things that you said, literally exact same thing applies to me. I mean, genuinely, I love messing around with action figures and posing them in different ways and setting them up, like having like little diorama pieces and just messing around maybe with a camera too, just kind of setting up different test shots. Sometimes I actually film full on little mini sequences with characters to get an idea of a story and kind of bring that to life. Obviously, I indulge quite often in existing media, films, TV shows, video games, and and even music. Again, I've talked about it multiple times, but the idea for Nomad stemmed from Jeremy Renner's song, and that inspired that entire project. It was originally going to be a Hawkeye project, but it became a Captain America project, and I think it was all the better for it. On top of that, there are, like, songs in particular for me are a very unique source of inspiration. Like, I I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but I actually have written some lyrics to original songs before. Which is somewhere over the Mando. (laughs) No, uh, for context, I was coming up with a, a parody song, and all of a sudden Charles had the idea for, like, yo, it's, like, somewhere over the Mando. And that kind of became a whole parody song. But it's, like, <laughs> songs are very frequently kind of a source of inspiration, and I I have written original songs, and sometimes the stories I tell in those songs have inspired certain stories. Like, there's another project I'm thinking of that wasn't in the Coming Attractions video that I just released. But it's something that I kind of want to do. It might actually tie into something that I might do as a uh, collaboration with potentially Forgotten Tactic. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to him about that. This is the first that he's hearing of that. Oh. But, um, 
there are definitely times where I have a song idea and sometimes the story in that song might be fleshed out into a video or into something else. Um, sometimes songs that already exist might factor into uh, things that I make. And to kind of circle back to the whole somewhere over the Mando joke, another thing that maybe we don't talk about that much is getting ideas based on what other people say in conversation or what other people make in terms of art. All the time. It happens a lot. Like, I'm not just talking about existing mainstream media. I'm talking about other people's stop motion or in Forgotten Tactics case, action figure photography, which he is very good at. And one of the... um. Not just one, but there were a couple of photos that he took that inspired me to come up with certain story ideas. And he and I started talking about, you know, potential projects based on the photos that he's taken and the little stories he writes in the captions of those posts. And it's really cool how someone else's individual personal art in this community or in a community that's closely knit and connected to it can somehow cause other art to be developed. In fact... There are times in the Stamosha community where you see different Stamosha animators collab using their own individual projects that tie into bigger projects. Sometimes they're crossovers. Sometimes someone else is making a spinoff based on someone else's original video. But I guess the whole point of this entire question of finding ideas, just look around you and like t t dive into and research different sources of media maybe like have an introspective look like think of your own life and your own mind and maybe tie some of that experience into what you're making again like some of my original songwriting ideas kind of inspired other things to be made sometimes existing songs that i love and listen to and personally enjoy inspire things sometimes events in my own life factor into the dynamics of characters in stories that I want to tell. In fact, some of that's kind of being brought into the super duper cut of Nomad. Something that I kind of conceived in the original project is now giving a, it's given a lot more depth and layers because of some of that personal life experience that I'm now tying into it and channeling for the sake of this art. Needless to say, there's a bunch of different places where you can find ideas. And it's important to really keep an open mind about it. But uh, yeah, a uh, great commentary from both of you. I feel <laughs> like this is like hella profesh. <laughs> is that as not I, what this as is? I completely, as Don't. I completely undermine. Michael is the uh, the player of uh, one of the players when you're doing Jenga who completely knocks the entire thing down when you're <laughs> on a good run. So the commentary is not only fresh, but pro fresh. Oh, uh, yes. Biting into a York Peppermint Patty. Uh, pro fresh. <laughs> So, all right, <laughs> trying to bring us back on track before we completely derail the train. You're doing great. You're doing great. I love trains. This is the most we've ever followed the outline. I honestly expected you to completely just throw everything all right, to the so, wind uh, at this point. Anyway. No, wait, no, 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 no. That's not an invitation. <laughs> no, stop, please. Um, okay, so now that we've talked about basic ideas and where to find them, there's a point in which a basic idea turns into a full-on concept of something so it, it, like uh in my personal case the idea was i want to do something with nomad and the concept became well what if this is a prequel to infinity war where we kind of dive into a little bit of the psyche of captain america who's become nomad while also doing an awesome action sequence beat em up style thing or in batson v dammers i had the idea of what if Shazam just lightning dabbed Captain Marvel into a water tower? Because you're vicious. And that became that became an entire story of how these two characters were kind of going head to head to be the one and only Captain Marvel. Because they were both Captain Marvel in their respective universes. What if those worlds collided? And yeah, other people have done a Shazam vs. Captain Marvel project, but not quite in the way that I hope to tackle it. Based on the story that I want to tell, there's still room for that story to be told. The, I, the question here is basically, when you get an idea that becomes a concept, what, what's the next step for you after writing it down or finding some way to remember it before it's forgotten? Do you, do you try to hash out every single little detail immediately and try to have like the complete vision or as much of it as possible from the jump? Or do you kind of just write down like the starting point 
then dabble into some research, find some other sources to kind of inspire other components of the tale. If you have figures for these characters, say in like comic book stories, or if you have like, if you're a really good artist, do you kind of draw them out and kind of put them in different scenarios based on that concept and kind of hash out scene by scene? Do you talk to people and kind of brainstorm and bounce these little ideas off of and then expand on them? Do, do you like write out full on script treatments or do you just write like a bulleted list? TLDR of all of that, what's the next step for you when having an idea and trying to make that into a bigger concept from something small into something that can actually be kind of like a completed vision? One example I can give you, and here's just me throwing one of my ideas out there. But one question I've always liked to ask myself is we saw what happened to the main line Avengers during the events of Infinity War and even so a little bit after that in Endgame. So one concept I've always liked to think about is what happened to the smaller scale characters such as the Defenders, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Punisher, etc. Where were they? Were they snapped? Did half of them get snapped? All? Did only one of them survive? So that's a concept I myself have uh, taken a bunch of pictures on and just my own little head cannons on what I believed happened. And in order to keep the ideas fresh, I just keep asking myself, all right, what if this combination of characters survives? What about this combination? Since we don't have an official say as to what happened, uh, I personally feel like that's a free game as to interpret it however you like. And um, what I also like to do is uh, talk about that idea with other people. Uh, for example, Stealth, you and I have actually discussed this uh, this concept many times together as to what we believe might happen um, to all the television characters, actually. Yeah, we have. Such as uh, the characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, etc., etc. We've come up with our own little survival team. So, basically, you do like a, you kind of do like a trial and error sort of test shot process where you kind of just do one little scene at a time and then you just kind of keep on building and building like on top of that initial idea that serves as like the foundation, kind of like Lego bricks or the Jenga, the Jenga <laughs> example where you just keep pulling out things until the story just collapses and falls into place. Oh yeah, definitely. Or well, until the story falls into place, it doesn't collapse. If anything, it's like more put together than ever. So maybe not the best example, but would you say that that's kind of like to sum up? Wouldn't that yeah, be... pretty much just, uh, just throw, uh, just throw the ball at the wall and see what sticks. Nice. What about, what about you, Daniel? I, how, how do you follow that up? I feel like you gave... Because really, all of, all of what I've done so far is derivative <laughs> of other media, uh, whether it's from the MCU or, or the Dark Knight. So yeah, it, it exists and it's rooted in pre-existing material. And you just really have... You have the groundwork laid. It's not like you have the, the you have to do your homework or you have to get the idea of the world building completed first before you start working on it because it's already pre-established. It's hard because, like I said, I watch a lot of movies and whenever I get an idea from those movies, I immediately write it down into like a notes thing on my phone and uh and and when I when it stems from watching movies, it's just it's it stays as a note on my phone for the longest time. And then it's not until I find myself writing something for uh, for my actual projects do I find a way to incorporate it. It's it's a weird. My process is a little weird because it very much relies on me getting to work on something first. Because when I'm there, I have no idea what to do. So it's just a bunch of different ideas that I'm juggling. And yeah, it's like picking and choosing which one you want to keep. And sometimes the best ideas get thrown out for ideas. Because there's a difference between a really, really great idea and an idea that's just being, you know, an idea that works for what you're doing. Because I can say that the Joker doing this and that is a great idea, but doesn't work for the narrative. So it's a, all just a matter of, again, your Jenga, your Jenga analogy is so perfect for this because it's, it, it, it works, you know, it's just trying to make sure it, you win the game and that nothing, nothing, hopefully nothing bad happens by the end of each round. But yeah, so you just kind of break things down and you see what works for the story and how it serves the characters. And that's where you, you build it from the ground up. I'm starting to realize that the Lego example probably works better for Charles hmm. in terms of the like, you know, like building stuff on top of different things and finding different color bricks and different like brick shapes and sizes and continue building on and making something 
very different. Whereas your approach is kind of more like Jenga, where you're trying to figure out which bricks will, if you pull out one block, will this cause the tower to fall over? Will this ruin the story that you're trying to build up? Or will the integrity still be intact and you're continuing to allow this story to reach new heights? Right. So I feel like that's very poetic in terms of like the fact that both of your approaches are kind of if like If you have that. a bunch of ideas, keep those close. And then once you have the layout of your story, then you can kind of put those pieces back in and find out where each moment fits. And if it doesn't, take it out. <laughs> and I think that's the simplest way of, you know, condensing what... Uh, what my process is for me it's it's tricky because <laughs> both of your approach my approach changes all the time and it depends on the medium that i'm working in and this is very similar to how i approach actual script writing too if the project is supposed to have this sort of your tone and your writing style for me at least it adapts to the medium it adapts to the nature of the project um, largely speaking, I work very much so in meta comedy type deals, both in live action film on stage, as well as, you know, in stop motion animation, I'm very much embracing that comedic style for different aspects of writing. So sometimes with that sort of comedic tone and feel for a script in terms of expanding upon an idea, I try to find different tidbits or jokes or setups or situations that kind of enhance that idea and kind of swap them in and out to see what works and what doesn't and i kind of see whether or not the integrity of the story remains intact for other projects that are a little bit more dark and serious my tone and my feel and style kind of shifts to reflect that mood and i sort of dive deep into character feelings and i dive deep into how the interactions are executed how they kind of happen does the way in which they happen reflect that emotion that's kind of at play? So with each of these ideas, it's like I come up with the concept, the idea, it then becomes a concept, and then I kind of expand upon it over time with different little ideas. I might start out with an outline of some kind. Um, I don't try to write the entire thing out from the gate. But I do at least have like a bulleted list, like an outline of sorts. I write out certain scenes if I have the idea in my mind at the time. If there's a certain thing that I want to conceptualize and visualize beyond just an idea and I know I'm going to forget if I don't write it down, I write it out. And then maybe I'll revisit it later and revise it and change it. Maybe something else might inspire me to add something new or take something away or transform it into something else while keeping some of that core context intact. Such as, uh, for example, uh, in Nomad, there was like, when I was coming up with that idea, I wanted to briefly reflect on, you know, his grief over Tony making him lash out. But it was kind of a late in the game idea for one of the, spoiler alert for a project that's over two years old, uh, it was kind of a late in the game concept for one of the troopers to be unmasked and you'd see Tony's face under the mask. Even though it's a hallucination, that idea, just the fact that Steve would come across Tony, that idea was sort of late in the game, just like, oh, that's shock value, that's really cool, and it kind of touches back to the fact that he's still thinking about Tony. But over time, that idea has since, like, because of the rewrites and the expansion of the director's cut, I've gone further and further into sort of illustrating just how the tables turned and just how all of this has kind of come to pass and why this is the way it is. Additionally to that, you also have the idea of bouncing your ideas off of others, connecting to the nomad thing. Some people were like, but wasn't Steve on like really good terms with Tony? Like what did he wrote that letter and everything like he was good, but was he really is the question that I was kind of asking with my project. I was kind of looking at it like, if you were a real person, there would obviously be more trauma to it. Like, yeah, they can only do so much in a, in a tentpole franchise movie, and th there's only so much you can do, only so much ground you can cover. But in the spaces in between, you might find the juiciest material to really flesh out and work with. And that kind of touches on the whole street-level heroes concept. Where were they during the events of the snap? that's something that we never got to see and that might be one of the richest most valuable and compelling stories that has been left untold that's worthy of a vision so yeah there's a bunch of different ways that you could kind of explore something that's just a mere simple light bulb in your head and turn it into something that shines and glows and becomes a much bigger brighter light it becomes something 
far greater than maybe your initial idea was. Maybe it actually has this whole other new life because of how you're able to explore that idea, whatever your process is for exploring it. Again, like kind of like maybe writing out some script treatments, you know, brainstorming, collaborating, working with others. Daniel and I, we talk a lot about different ideas. Like, like we just in the middle of conversation, hey, what if this happened? And then we talk about it and that can sort of refine and change ideas and that could sort of make things become even bigger and better. So either way, if you have an idea, don't be afraid to, you know, try different methods of experimentation to kind of elongate and illustrate your concept into something more. Damn, this feels really segmented and professional. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought that's Dude, what I had we were a bunch of for. questions to ask in between. Like, that's the that's one of my issues with outlines. You can never really just you know what you know what process. I'm it. feeling generous. I've been in the, I'm feeling I've generous been in the because you've been a good boy because you followed the rules for a little bit. I'll let you go off. I'll let you have your. I'll let you have your fun. Ask away. Uh. So with projects like Nomad, clearly you had, uh, and this is this is perfect. You can tell I've been thinking about this for the past ten minutes. <laughs> um, no, but with projects like Nomad, you have a super duper cut coming out. But initially, when you're on such a uh, schedule like that, say you didn't have a schedule, but you did upload it that way, I, I guess it's just like a matter of knowing what to keep in there. Because while Nomad is great. It's clearly got missing pieces, and you still have a bunch of story to tell. So and when it comes to like, there's more story that wasn't even in the original plan that has since been added that has only refined that idea. Right. And so when you're in a position like that, how do you know which ideas to to just completely eradicate from the from from the list of things to keep in the short but sweet video? Versus what things you you just retain in order for you to kind of know that that idea is going to last when you do execute the super duper cut. Like I know what it's like to have ideas just gone and but then you come back to them for a for an extended cut. So, so what was what yeah, was this kind that? of touches back on the concept idea, too. So and kind of the idea sort of thing, finding an idea in the first place. Another source of inspiration for finding ideas in the first place might be lack of satisfaction towards either something you've seen or something you've already made and you feel like the story's left untold and it's not tied up in a nice neat little bow the way maybe you wanted it to. Maybe there's more that you thought about after the fact that you feel like you need to reflect on and kind of throw into the mix. And with the concept part of that process, when you have that idea of wanting to go back and sort of elaborate in a sense. It, it can be tough trying to figure out what additional things you feel like you need versus stuff that you're kind of just throwing in for the sake of it. Not to say that I'd have a, you know, a Zack Snyder Justice League approach where I'm literally just throwing, oh, I love that idea. Let's throw it in. Like literally putting every single thing in and then having a four hour product. There comes a point where you're looking at certain ideas and there are some ideas that I did have written down that I decide to ultimately forego for a bunch of different reasons. But I, I think the main thing that kind of drives me and drives my decision to throw things in or cut things out is who's the focus of the story? Why am I telling the story? What is the overall takeaway? What do I want to leave viewers with? If you have that message in your mind when you make something, it'll be a lot easier for you to narrow down what works and what doesn't, especially as a storyteller. You might have some projects where it's like, look, I just want to make a really fun video with characters beating other characters up. I want it to be a fun, lighthearted fight with a little bit of character and substance, but mostly you're just in it for the adrenaline rush. And in that, you just have to figure out, all right, how long is too long? What's the pacing of the fight? When is this character going to look better? When is this character going to look better? Who's going to win in the end? And will it drag at any point? When you're telling a more intricate story, in the way that the super duper cut kind of became because the original nomad is a beat em up and that's kind of what it is at the heart whereas now the extended version is what i really wanted it to be where it's this big story but it has a really cool kind of fun and adrenaline rushing action scene that kind of ties all of this story together and you really sort of start to see this character explode in this rush to preserve his life for me, the focus has been on whether or not this is important to that protagonist. In this case, Nomad, Steve. 
is this element going to actually inform viewers of something that's within the character's mind, something that's stressing him out, something that's frustrating him. And there are certain appearances of certain characters that really show that. And then there are others that are a little bit more fan service but they still explain things away. They provide maybe a little bit of context to sort of complete the cohesive unity of the story. But ultimately, the stuff that I've chose to include is in the service of that character, in the service of the main narrative. What I want to leave the audiences with is the idea that Steve Rogers, after the events of Civil War, is a lot more broken than he might have appeared. Even though he wrote that letter at the end of Civil War, if this were a real person, there would be a lot more trauma than that. He wouldn't just be able to write it off, be like, you know, I was right, sorry I almost freaking killed you. There would be actual turmoil within him about the fact that he nearly did that. The turmoil over the fact that he had to reach that falling out. He kind of knew it was inevitable, but it broke something in him. These are two best friends. They had a decent relationship. They cared about one another. And he had to hurt someone that he loved in order to protect someone else that he loved. And it almost came at an extreme cost. And I thought that that was a very important story to expand upon. Certain elements, like uh, the whole Nomad thing, originally there was going to be two other things. There was going to be another fight sequence involving Falcon and another fight sequence involving Black Widow. Those have been cut. Because what's the point of showing Black Widow fighting somebody or Falcon fighting somebody or at least fighting somebody in terms of like focusing on that fight and actually dedicating full on time to their story arcs when it detracts from the focus on Steve. Everything I'm doing with the story is about Steve. It's about how these other characters are kind of tied into that. They're dealing with that. Steve and his demons. It'd be really funny if you did end up making the uh, the Black Widow and Falcon beat em up videos that just spawned <laughs> I mean, extra projects. Th there was the idea. Like the Nomad video will be one video, then the Black Widow video, and then the Falcon video. And who knows? Maybe those will still happen. I don't know yet. But in terms of the Nomad Super Duper Cut, they do not fit within that story I'm trying to tell. And maybe I would do those beat-em-ups, but wouldn't I just be doing the same thing over and over again? Oh no, I'm reflecting on Black Widow's traumatic past. I'm reflecting on Falcon's traumatic past. I, I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. If I find something interesting that's worth telling those other stories, maybe I will. Maybe if there's a demand for those stories, maybe I will. But... Right now, my focus is on what is in the best interest of Nomad as a character. And I wasn't totally satisfied with just leaving it at the beat-em-up when there was a whole lot more context. There was a whole lot more explanation I could do. Some people didn't get it. Some people didn't understand it. Now, while the story was there, it was clear. Perhaps this deserves more information. Maybe this deserves a couple more scenes that kind of really showcase the conflict and really make everybody get it just a little bit more. That's what extended cuts are for. The original product should be cohesive. There should be a clear story in that. And everything in addition should only make that story better and better. So that's kind of the end game on that one. I I've been tangenting for way too long, but I mean, I had another, I had, a, I had another branched question for Charles. So I don't know. No, if... Go for it. Go All for right. It. Cool. Perfect. Um, so Charlie, for something as as simple as action figure photography that can also get super, super complex, how do you know which of those photos to adapt and which ones? Because obviously in your head, you have an idea of how it plays out. Therefore, you know how to pose them in the photo, how to take the shot, what kind of lighting situation to implement. But when it comes down to actually executing it and say you're dipping your toes into stop motion animation, how do you commit to the bit? Like what part of that original concept do you keep? What part do you get rid of? And are any of those ideas something that you are actively developing, aside from the aforementioned? <laughs> so that's a good question, actually. So, um, yeah, I mean, one would assume, oh, it's just toys, a background, you know, just pose them around a bit and, uh, you know, you're good to go. But um, no, actually, I've, I've genuinely had the issue where I don't know if I want to take a photo tonight or not. So I always end up making the mistake of wanting to slap something together and within like 15 minutes but you know as you said as simple as a shot may seem it's not something you can really set up in 15 minutes no like if given full time to commit it roughly will take like an hour or so to get a good shot in and like you said how do i know which ones to keep and whatnot well that's that's another thing i need to figure out what kind of mood is the picture i'm trying to go for and essentially that 
alone will vary as to what kind of settings you'll go with. How, how much lighting we'll use. We'll use one lamp, two lamps. We'll use any accessories. You know, what kind of angles do you want your shadows to be looking? So you just have a plethora of options to go with. And essentially from that point on, it's just a shot in the dark as to what, you know, up to your personal opinion. Literally I mean, a shot in the dark. <laughs> literally a shot in the dark. But um, it genuinely, I've occasionally there have been times where I've genuinely just asked a family member, you know, hey, do you like this one or this one? But uh, that was more my beginning days because as i came to grow in the art itself i just wanted to go with my own decision that i should basically go with my gut and see yeah. and see what essentially speaks to me the most uh, considering the fact that i want this to be a reflection of myself and i want people to see the image that i had in my mind so and it's arguably harder to do that in a photo because you only have one shot to tell a story and yeah, right. you have the little caption where you can kind of hash that out a little bit more, but you have to capture a lot of that in the frame because that's what people are looking at. Yeah, and as soon as it's posted, it's all said and done, and therefore it should be relatively self-explanatory. Whereas in stop-motion animation, you get more narrative real estate to fully realize your vision. So with one photo that you post to either Instagram or any social media platform, you can't really screw it up. You, and you I love can't. how nearing the end of, of your point, you're just like, screw someone else's opinion, man. Like this is, <laughs> this, is, much, this is, yeah, this is me on picture. You know, this is, this is, this is my idea. And so this is, you know, full stop. This is going to be honest and this is going to be fully forgotten tactic. Fully forgotten tactic. And another thing, um, like you said, that and should it, be a channel segment. <laughs> fully fully forgotten. forgotten tactic. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, another thing, um, in a stop motion, you know, you can tell the story, you know, you got the characters moving, you got them voiced, you know, so people can understand the expression. Whereas with the picture, you know, you have to essentially use it in combination with your caption to essentially express what the character's feeling in the photo. And that's another thing, too, that I like about um, writing because you can use the caption as essentially a crutch to let you know what's going on and help establish the mood if, you know, the photo alone was not already enough to give people an understanding as to what exactly you're doing. And there's something to be said about the power of writing, too, in that front, because unlike with stop motion or with film or with stuff where you have actors who can kind of give that inspiration and emotion. And yeah, exactly. You don't have that with a photo and a caption. You it's don't even have motion to evoke that. It's straight. You don't have any sort of other visual cue outside of, you know, what is captured in a still. And you don't have any other context outside of dialogue or a written description of right. what it is that the characters are saying or feeling. And that's that's arguably even more ergonomic, economic, like efficient. But at the same time, it's just as much of a challenge, if not maybe even more. Even though it's less steps, you have a lot less to work with in order to convey a similar story. And maybe that's part of the reason why you would maybe consider fleshing out stories and, you know, building upon them and maybe extracting them from one medium and transforming right. them to fit another medium. Right. So that is definitely interesting to see. I can't imagine either because sometimes, and I'm not trying to call anyone out, but sometimes they don't even read the captions. So I can't imagine how tough it must be to actually execute that while keeping everyone in the loop without, you know, having no knowledge of anything. Because you know what you're taking a photo of when you when you conceived an idea or you know what you're trying to capture. But when you're the only one who can understand it, it becomes a whole nother, you know, it's a, it's a mess. What Charlie's been able to do, you can look at his photos and just immediately distinguish his content from other other. He really creators. does a marvelous job with it. Marvelous. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Had to. So when when something like that, you know, it, again, it's it's one thing that to tell people or, or to actually share what you've written down. And it's like the silent era of movies when movies were just fully a visual medium. It's it's easier to tell a story with every piece of the puzzle. And another thing to tell your story in a single still image, i.e. action figure photography. This kind of touches back on the idea of limitations, you know. Like uh, the idea of like uh, what's worth keeping and what's not worth keeping, because when you when you're working under such limitations, you really got to get creative with it. You really got to narrow down what the word choice can make or break how something is conveyed. And you only have a limited character count to work with. You only have one still to get it right. And different choices could have major implications for the interpretation and meaning that can be extracted from that photo what it communicates 
might be different for different people. And that's so artistic and so like kind of philosophical when you think about it, because every person who looks at it will see it a different way and they'll take it in a different way. Whereas where you have a uh, like a, a linear idea in a stop motion animation and this is again, or any not... other medium that has more elements like film right. tv games etc. it's all very contained and you have a definitive beginning and end whereas a photo can just you know as the story that charlie is trying to tell in a photo could have started right there or it could literally be the end so it, it's it's really it's like a powerful tool and it's so like it's it's, it's a indefinite. subjective it yeah, could, it could it could really take any direction forward or backward. Right. It's not it's not locked off or blocked off. So that's yeah. Now, Charlie, how do you actually do you how do you decide? Because I'd imagine like that's not just the scene from an idea you had, but it's you probably extend it and expand upon that concept in your head as as a movie in and of itself do you have an idea of where your shots lie like beginning or end or is that just like a you know what this is cool. kind of like a moment in <laughs> um, life yeah funny you ask that because essentially i remember a long long time ago when i initially started taking um photography if you know if you're bold enough to go to the very early days of my account there were some times where i would essentially take multiple shots and i guess you can say try to do a stop motion but i would just essentially tell a story um one example being I had a whole for a whole fight choreographed between um Daredevil and Bullseye just going at it. Like one photo would be like, you know, someone having someone arm lock, then you know, body slamming them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So essentially as I've eventually grown in taking more shots and gotten more familiar with the whole community and concept of it all, uh, I've essentially turned my entire profile into a portfolio of ideas that should I ever have the opportunity to make a stop motion I'd like to go through with it some shots link into others some shots are you know are prequels to this shot etc etc some of them are my own little canon universe so indirectly in short yeah it's all connected hashtag. it's multiversal <laughs> lore world building I love that yeah the excellent uh, excellent questions uh I, I really like that but you've had your fun <laughs> Now I'm gonna <laughs> oh. now I'm gonna bring us back a little bit because we do have two more topic points to hit, and then there's one thing in particular that I really want to start talking about because Charlie mentioned it a while back, and it got me really, really excited, and I can't wait to see how this actually segues into that entire like that river of conversation. It's gonna is be. Is this blast. in one of the written points in the outline, or is this something that we kind of? Just... I mean, we were kind of talking about it before we started recording. So true, true. Up to you to decide how you want. And if I, if if somehow we miss it, please feel free to interject it. Even though oh, this might be the longest podcast episode yet. Oh, Good luck editing this. Here we go. Um, so we've talked about you know finding an idea and a concept, and then elaborating on that concept and making it something more. Daniel had incredible questions that kind of asked about how do you know what to cut and what to keep, and what is the mindset going into it. How do you feel about like when you decide what ideas you're making your own versus when you're kind of telling other stories? How can you expand upon it within the limitations? But now I'm going to ask you about taking the concept and turning it into a bigger plan. You've already, this is a really good segue from what you just said, how you're kind of building worlds and universes within the photos you've taken and created in your profile. So for your planning process, do you kind of work with what you have or do you kind of dream big with it and try to just make it work later? A lot of times for figure photography, I understand you kind of look at your shelf and you figure out, all right, what characters do I want to experiment with? But in other situations, such as your live action writing projects, which I know you and I talk about, uh, we've talked about live action stuff that we've worked on and how we've kind of adapted that to do different things. D do you kind of come up with an idea and then hope that you can find the means to make it work in reality? Or do you only write knowing ahead of time the limitations, what you have to work with? For the first part, essentially, well, I mean, actually all of it, but more so with uh, figure photography. Um, Like I said before, I just randomly decided to do a shot, but I normally like to get it out by a certain amount of time. So essentially giving myself that time crunch, as much of the stressor as it is, it's also a great motivator to try to make it within that certain time frame and, and crunch it out because I feel that as much as a weakness, one can say that having limits, is, you know, given limitations, I find it's also a strength into force someone to get creative with their ideas. It's ironic. You already have the limit of, you know, a photo 
only be able to embody so much of a story, especially with figures. And you also have a caption, which is also very limited. And you'd think that those limits would already be enough, but you also put a time crunch on it. (laughs) Like the ticking time bomb trope on top of that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and so... (laughs) You know, they always say that having many options and ideas and et cetera is a good thing. But no, back to limitations, I find that having limits and some kind of essential skeleton that you're trying to follow and frame around is also a great um, strengthener. For example, when I was writing my live action web series, there it is. I was essentially given <laughs> a time frame as to what what everyone wanted to happen have an episode that revolved around this 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 do we have a road trip going on do we have you know just a filler right here are we using this episode to introduce someone so essentially that's basically what i was given while also keeping the story moving because i find that it doesn't you don't really need a lot to essentially have an idea to go out you just need something to not have if that makes any sense so in short it's not what you got it's about what you can make Interesting approach. So you're so you're saying to answer that question, you kind of write stuff. It, it's like you're saying both. <laughs> and it's really interesting because my answer is the exact same. Sometimes you write within the limits that you have, depending on the medium you're working with. Like, uh, say you have like a certain version of a certain character, but then you have other times where you come up with the idea and then you wait to have that sort of thing later on and then work with it. But generally speaking, you have those limits of it doesn't really matter. You kind of limit yourself with, all right, this is what I know I can do based on the materials I have, but it's okay if I wander out and do something that might not be within those limits. Am I far off or is that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That you hit the dart on that one, buddy. Uh, Daniel, how about you? Do you oftentimes work within what you have or are you willing to write ideas for stuff that you don't quite have and then worry about it later? (laughs) See, I don't think you, for 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 me anyway, I don't think that you should be limited by what you don't have. Otherwise, the uh, narrative real estate tends to close in on the stuff that you do have, although creativity is birthed out of limitations. And that's what I love about it. I'm also a mix of both where you take things that you do have and therefore expand upon it. Like I remember making my first video, which was Captain America, the super soldier episode one. And I had, those were, those figures were not mine. (laughs) And I just decided to start shooting and I didn't even have a script. I just decided to write it up after everything was shot and record the lines for it. But it was just a basic idea in my head that I decided to execute. And then when it gets down to, you know, making things like writing under the dark, I can't necessarily allow my inability to have a character in there compromise my ability to create a better story and not really thinking about whether or not I have stuff from it. Obviously, when you're making something, you want to have all the tools like you're not going to think about, hey, I want to paint today, but I don't have a paintbrush. I don't have a canvas. I don't have paint. You you want to you want to step outside of the box, but you also kind of don't want to break the box. So your answer, your kind of idea is the fact that there's a balance between, and I relate to this one as well. Um, There's a balance between wanting to tell a story and having certain things in order to do it, but that shouldn't stop you from thinking outside the box and maybe having to acquire stuff after the fact in order to flesh out that story later. You kind of need to have a couple of things, but not having something shouldn't stop you from telling a story. Absolutely. Creativity is also art. So if you're able to be creative with what you have and make something that you didn't have before, it serves your project all the more. I think if you're able to create a 112 scale looking van out of a matchbox Pepsi van, then for under the uh, dark. Uh, oh. Yeah, exactly. For something that you didn't have, it not only boosts your creativity, it brings your idea to life in ways that you didn't even imagine because you thought of the limitation first. Because obviously when that starts, you tell yourself that uh, I, I don't have a van, so I guess we're not having this shot in. Or maybe you look for a, a CG van online. Or you look for a really expensive, uh, like a model vehicle that's not even in yeah. the right scale, but it's something. But it's really expensive and hard to get. And then you do that, you do all that work with the minivan, like the little Hot Wheels matchbox car. And then you find out they made a WWE Slambulance that would have worked too, you know? <laughs> that would have been in scale, but it's fine. But the thing is, when you're in that place. When you're in that mode, you work with what you got, but you're willing to kind of overextend to find other things. Exactly. Because if you're if you're trying to make something that you really, really love, then nothing should stop you from wanting to make it with the things that you have. 
and it shouldn't limit you because we see things that we don't have as limitations from the things that we do have, but you don't see it as an opportunity to take the things that you have and make something more out of it and create something beyond what you first envisioned. So I think it's really important to to share that sometimes illusion works. You know, sometimes you don't need a, a, a Harvey Dent figure or a Two Face figure to make Harvey Two Face. Sometimes you could just use CGI. Sometimes you sometimes don't you don't need, need have... an Arthur Fleck custom figure, but you could just use an Instagram filter on a Bucky figure and hope for the best. So to kind of tie my answer into this real quick, I don't want to talk too long about it, but my answer is also yes and both. There are certain stories where I feel like you need to have at least something write a story and maybe save it and then have the resources you need and then tell it. You shouldn't be afraid to not tell a story or not come up with a story in the first place just because you don't have what you need for it yet. But on top of that, you don't want to necessarily write a story without having the ability to ever get what you're like. You might not want to put all of your eggs in that basket. There are certain stories where you might be better off by not having everything you need, but having enough to still tell some kind of story. You kind of have that balance. It doesn't stop you from, you know, being creative. You can work within the limit. In fact, it's really interesting if you can work around the idea of what if you do, what if you don't. And I could even say that in Nomad. Um, I didn't have the Civil War Captain America. I didn't have the Scarlet Witch or Vision. I didn't have the right Iron Man. So I kind of had to work with what I had. And I not only had the assistance of someone else to help me carry out that vision, so you might need to find other workarounds such as collaboration or such as if you don't have the right prop, maybe you find something in a different scale and use different technique like chroma key in order to make it work or CG. Other times, you might just have to wait to acquire that thing you need. Like there are certain characters which you now see in the coming attractions trailer for Nomad, Peggy Carter and uh, Black Panther. I didn't own those figures, but I still wrote my ideas for them as options. I could cut them if I couldn't get those figures, but if I could get those figures, I would be able to do the story with or without them. Now, whether or not I'd be satisfied with it is another question, but you might have to change your vision based on the circumstances, but that shouldn't stop you from at least attempting to explore your vision and expand upon it in ways where what if you do, what if you don't? So don't be afraid to go beyond what you have or lack, but at the same time, it's helpful to work within the limitations of doing that. Don't totally bet on having everything you need or bet on not having any of it at all. So now that you have your, we have the idea, we have the concept, then you have the plan to make it happen. Now, the writing process, actually getting into the script where you refine literally everything to the minutia, the fine print detail. Do you write these scripts over a long period of time or do you write complete drafts rather quickly? How, like, what's the timing on that process? Do you write something and then revisit it and rewrite it later after kind of like sitting on it? Or do you just move on and don't look back? Do you even use professional format or do you <laughs> use something that adheres to you? Like all, all these things, basically how, how is your script writing process and what is it like? You also mentioned at one point, whether or not it was recorded, you talked about how much writer directing do you do? Like backseat driving, do you write stuff in the script that you want the... If you're not the person who's executing the vision, do you write stuff in that you want them to do or do you kind of let them have that freedom? So when it comes to my captions for uh, action figure photography, when it comes to writing those, I normally make sure I have a general outline as to what I want to say and do um, before I take the shot itself. Because I know that it'll essentially help me in not only get the vision out for how I want the shot to look, but also help me get an idea as to what kind of mood I want to essentially emit with the shot. More often than not, the caption will exist before the picture itself does. Very rarely will you find me uh, just taking a picture and slapping something on there. But when it comes to writing scripts for any potential stop motion projects or my live action ones, I just take it one, uh, one line at a time essentially. I know who's going to be in this story, what I want to happen. Now it's all a matter of how I want to get there with these characters. You know, we only have a certain amount of time for whatever this project may be. So I want to make sure that every second counts when writing. So so long as I have a beginning and what's going to happen by the end, I can, you know, use whatever creative freedom I do have to essentially bring that story to life. Um, I normally do find myself 
wanting to put my own little spin on things for my web series we had a create a character for the landlord in the landlord one very very specific thing that i wanted to have to him is to be a very stereotypical foreign person so i was thinking oh man maybe we can make him have like a like a grumpy hispanic dude or or something like that because i myself have had plenty of experience going with that i have a cousin who lives in an apartment complex and he's actually really cool as his landlord but he they, they always get each other's throats and this guy has a really deep hispanic <laughs> accent like, i feel like there's like, like a the, Luis the, story you the, know like in the, the, man the, i feel like this is one of those backstories like i know a guy <laughs> no i know jamie i know a guy like you know they're they're friends but you know they're always cutting each other's throats like oh, give me you know where's the rent or hey i noticed you bought some new shoes where's my rent at you know they're always at each other's throats so you know that that was the inspiration for that character long story short they they didn't end up um finding uh the chance to cast a foreign dude in that role they but i'm like all right well can we give him an accent they're like all right what kind of accent can this guy do oh he can do russian i'm like all right dude we got a russian stuck up landlord character for this <laughs> it's amazing there was also something you said about uh you talked, there's a certain scene in this web series, which we should name drop it, right? Oh, uh, yes. This project is called Stay Indie. Yeah. In Stay Indie, in the in the promo, in the campaign, there's like a trailer. And there's a certain scene where I saw it, I'm like, this just screams you when I saw this. But yeah, so Andy's wearing a dinosaur costume. Yes, that is correct. I don't know why, but he is. Now, tell me, Charles, did you take that out of... A moment in your life where you decided, I'm just going to wear a dinosaur costume. Oh, you know, no, the actual question is, did you did you write in the script, like, all right, I want it to be a dinosaur costume? Or was that a creative choice that you allowed the directing team, the production team to come up with? And you just wrote, like, oh, Andy's wearing a costume. Describe how, describe the balance of that. Like, do you, do you actually decide some of those specific minutiae or do you let the creative team kind of run with it? No, see, okay, that's a great follow-up question to this whole thing with the landlord because the landlord thing, he was just going to be, you know, your average American landlord. So for him to be, you know, a, essentially a foreign guy, that was something that I had to fight for because they didn't think it would actually work. But it wasn't until they actually trust me with the idea that they're like, oh, dude, this was such a good idea. Now, when you compare that to the whole dinosaur costume, that was actually one thing that I actually allowed the creative team to do for themselves. Because even, you know, on the sides on my notes, I put, oh, Andy's wearing a costume, you know, to promote something. And that's that was it that like it's, uh, after I sent that script in, I, you know, left a note saying, you know, he's wearing a costume, you know, run with it, you know, read through this, see, you know, what you can get your hands on and go with that. So there are some, you know, decisions. That's an example of when I did want to have control. And then another example as to when I was free to didn't mind as to how that particular scene went. Because I felt like whatever he was wearing, he could have been wearing a giant apple for all I've cared and. It seems to have gone the way I imagined it to go. So it sounds to me like you have a pretty decent writing, like writer relationship in terms of like a lot of writers tend to write, like in the professional industries, they write a script and then it's out of their hands. Whatever happens to it happens to it. But for you, you have a really good bond and relationship with your production team. And that's really refreshing to see. I mean, from my experience personally, and I'm pretty sure Daniel's in the same boat, it's been very rare for our projects to be written and then given to someone else to sort of execute that vision. There are times where I've had to do that, and I don't know if the same could be said for Daniel, but there are times where you kind of write something out and then you kind of just have to hope that the other side will see what you're going for and capture it to the best of their abilities. But sometimes they might just go the completely different direction with it. But for you, it sounds like generally speaking, you do try to have a hand on the wheel, but you don't always grip the wheel with both hands and, you know, like steer the project from the jump. You still want to have a hand in it, but at the same time, you're not going to, you don't mind if they take another path with it, so long as it still kind of fits. You know, once the series, you know, once we reach our goal on the Kickstarter and once this thing is good to go, I would love for us to do a, a whole commentary on it. I would love to tell y'all guys what I had in the script, what stayed, what got altered, adapted, et cetera, et cetera. What are we at right now for the, for the Kickstarter, by the way? At the Kickstarter, we our goal is 1500 and we are at 900 and That is amazing. So oh far. my goodness. So we are, that is, so if y'all haven't backed it yet, please go do so because this is an idea 
two years in the making, you said, Charles. And so this is this is another passion project I'd love to see come to life. So I have a couple more quick little tidbit questions about your process in terms of format. Like there's obviously a professional standard. There's certain like little, oh, you use this font, you use this kind of spacing, you write the name above the character, yada, yada, indents. Do you use like a script formatter? Like, do you use like a word processor software or do you just write in a doc and just kind of work with what's best for you? Yeah, pretty much. I just write in a doc and try to make it look as professional as possible. All right. You basically answered all those questions. Now, Daniel, your turn. What's your writing? Uh, as if people don't already know. What now? You kind of write things over a long period of time and you do a lot of rewrites. And you also use a word processor software. How much writer writing directing would you say that you feel like you would do? Gosh, that's so tough. If you were man. in if you were in the same boat as Charles, would you feel because this is something that I've had to do a little bit too, but because this isn't something that you talked about having other people ghost direct your episodes of projects, right. but I don't know if you've actually done that. Have you like written a script and then given it to someone else to illustrate? How much or how little would you throw into the script? in terms of like direction. Yeah, I haven't I haven't written a complete script, but I have done revisions to a script that's already pre-existing. So you have a general idea of what's going on. All you got to do is translate it in another way that you see fit. Uh, most recently, War TV 14's Superior Spider-Man videos in that mini series was um, he had the basic layout. He had an idea of what was going to happen beat for beat. I just kind of tweaked how it was going to be done for me it was just dialogue but someone else had to translate that into performance and voice acting so it's just all about trust and i think you should really care for the material that you're working on just as much as the person writing it because i think you will both have the same headspace when you're creating something that you're both passionate about and you know exactly you you know exactly what's going to happen so since warren cared so much about this project i knew i couldn't let him down and so i wanted to make sure that it worked for that scenery i wouldn't try to incorporate characters or elements that weren't available in the room and so again it's about bond it's about trust it's about an important uh relationship and a chemistry between the writer and director yeah and just like anything else in the writing process it's all just a leap of faith you just kind of have to hope for the best. Even if you have that strong bond, some things might be communicated differently. And sometimes you have to be willing to compromise and other times you have the option to fight. I kind of described your writing process for you and mine's fairly similar. I write things out into outlines and I write them over a long period of time. Sometimes I also write them out really quickly. It kind of depends on the medium, depends on the project. Um, I do go back and do rewrites sometimes. There are other times where I just move on and then eventually go back and rewrite. Sometimes I use the professional script writing format. Other times, and more often than not, I'm writing in an iPhone note or a Google Doc. It's just a little bit more comfortable for me and it's more efficient for me. I know it's not the most professional looking, but I do use both. And it's kind of nice to have that sort of balance and juggle between the different script formats for different mediums. Yeah, and as long as it's written out somehow, it doesn't really matter how it actually looks, at least in terms of this. You can do it on a rock tablet, man, like with a with a with a stone pen. Would not recommend, but I mean if you want to. Go I would for absolutely it. recommend. Have you seen those things? I mean they're efficient. <laughs> if you're or on a or on an etch a sketch or like on a, an etch a sketch. <laughs> like those uh boards that you could kinda of just erase with a little slider. No, no control S with that one. Or typewriter. There are there are a bunch of different ways you can write something out, make it happen on the page. But as long as it's written out in a way where the ideas are clear and someone else can kind of interpret them, you're communicating. As a writer director, yeah, there are times where I've had to write stuff and I've had to just trust other people. I'm not the best with it, but I am actively trying to be like better with it. There are certain things that it's kind of like your darling, like your baby passion project type deal where you really care about what you're working on and you don't want to see someone necessarily screw it up, but you have to have the faith and hope that they will make it into something either just as good, the same, or maybe even better than what you originally had in mind. You never know. And that's part of the fun of making projects and kind of collaborating with other people and writing things. You never know how it might look if you're working with someone else to make that happen. If you are writing it yourself, who knows? Maybe the vision you even had might change from how you wrote it down. 
Maybe you can't execute it in the way you originally thought you could for whatever practical or logistical reasons there may be for it. You might not have the materials you need, or maybe it's just not physically possible, or it won't work with your limitations of equipment, etc. But needless to say, there's a bunch of different things that you could do in the actual writing process that can sort of reflect the way in which your story is told. And as long as your story is told at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how the script looks, and it doesn't really matter so long as you're satisfied to some extent with what you have, and hopefully allows for something creative and inspiring to result from the work and the time and effort that you put in for it. The moral of the story is that regardless of your limitations, if you have an idea in mind and in heart and you have the right people to execute it with, you're almost guaranteed to have a masterpiece. Because if, if, if one piece of it falters because someone didn't really care enough to exert the effort required to make something as great as it could be, then it's not going to turn out the way you want it to at all. So you have to make sure that everyone around you uh, who's working and is a part of that project cares so deeply about it as much as you do and isn't phoning it in so, so that you're able to come up with something that everyone, everyone is good with. It's better know? to at least try and fail than to not try at all. And your stories are worth telling. They deserve to be seen and heard. Uh, others might not necessarily see the story you're trying to tell or might not think that it's good enough. That doesn't mean it's not worth telling, because who knows, it might inspire someone else to pick up where you left off. This is such a delicate process. It's such a fun and rejuvenating, inspiring process. And it's been incredible discussing all of this with you, Charles. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thank you for all of your insight. I cannot wait to see what you do in terms of your future figure photography, for your live action projects, such as Stay Indie, and hopefully we'll see your foray into stop motion animation kind of explore some of the things that you've already tackled in the photography and live action media, and you can kind of bring something new to the table in the stop motion community and the stop motion world. Regardless, thank you for your time. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for being part of this. I look forward to seeing what uh, you guys have in the future. I know you guys have some uh, very highly anticipated projects up your sleeves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We aren't exactly the best I mean, with commitments, even though we're trying. <laughs> having said that, thank you all for listening into this podcast, be it on YouTube or Spotify or wherever this might find you or you find it. You can easily find us. Reach out in the YouTube video or in the link tree on other platforms. As always, we do have the Animators Assembled Discord server, which none of this would be possible without. That's our little community of content creators within this space and anyone who contributes to it. Again, uh, Forgotten Tactic is not a stop motion animator entirely just yet, even though he's dabbled a little bit into it. But because he's a writer and because he's a voice actor, because he's a photographer, he has all these other insights that add value to this community. And he himself is a great person who's done a lot of great things. Yeah. And it's really fun to be part of something like this. So if you want to, by all means, join us. We'd love to have you. we love to have you guys. I think that's all that needs to be said. So um, to kind of close off this podcast, uh, Daniel is going to read us an excerpt from The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 actually, I, I mean, I hope my uh, my talent will cast a shadow on you. And speaking of shadow, we're from our sponsors. This uh, video was made possible by... No, 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 no. No 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 we can't we can't do that we can't do that we can't do that quick quick cut the check <laughs>